Hi, everybody. Pastor Paul here. We all know there's a polarization and a divide in the country. And in some ways, I think many of us are as tired about talking about possible solutions to the divide as we are talking about the divide and polarization itself. But I think you're going to want to stick around for this conversation about civility and how for civility to work in this season in our culture and society, it has to be fierce. Now, can civility be fierce? Well, listen in as we talk to Joe Weston today on this uncon unconventional conversation with Pastor Paul. Before we get to the podcast, can I remind you to go check out my website, pastor-paul.com. You may say, how does Paul do all the content that he does? More than 10 hours a week of free content. And we do that by subscription and people supporting us with subscription. If you were going to church to get your spiritual fill, you would pay your tithes or we would pass the offering plate. When Jesus in the Bible traveled around from place to place, people in a village would put him up as a teacher, take care of all his entourage, which was often large, and then they would give food and money for the journey as they were leaving town. So I'm not ashamed to ask for your financial help. If you go to pastor-paul.com for as little as $5.99 a month, you can help spread our message that God is not mad at the world, or you can give up to $100 a month if you really want to help, and you and I will hang out one-on-one -on -one once a month but you guys are so awesome to help. Pastor-Paul.com is the website. If you subscribe today, I will give you access to the audiobook version of my novel, Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. The only place you can get it on the pastor-paul.com website. That's it exclusively. We don't give it out anywhere else. So if you go now, pastor-paul.com, so subscribe at the bronze, silver, gold, or platinum level, and I will be so grateful for your financial help. Would you do it? Pastor-Paul.com. Now to our conversation with author and peace advocate, Joe Weston, and civility, can it be fierce? And hi, everyone. Pastor Paul here with you. Let me introduce you to Joe Weston, who is my friend, He's with the Weston Network and the Fierce Civility Project. Joe is an international trainer, author, lecturer, consultant, coach, professor, and above all else, and I love this, an advocate for lasting peace, a career spanning 30 years in the fields of conflict prevention, leadership, stress management, and communication, and is a highly sought-after facilitator for individuals, as well as corporations, governments, agencies, and nonprofits around the world. That's a lot, Joe. How do you yeah. find the time for all of that? You tell me. I have no idea. I have no idea. Managed to make it work. Hi, Paul. It's great to be here. I always loved, since the day we met, I've always loved our conversations. So this will be a good one to have today because you have a new book coming out called Fierce Civility. And you can tell us more of that whole title. But we made the title for this unconventional conversation can civility be fierce? So tell us what it means to have fierce civility. Let me tell you, I've got, there's a lot to say about that. So that's what's great to be here. And uh, the title is Fierce Civility, Transforming Our Global Culture from Polarization to Lasting Peace. And that's a whole process there of a six-step six pathway to hope. And the book for me is really about 
telling a new story of hope, one of the main questions is who is that we should all be asking ourselves is who is telling our story? And I find, unfortunately, that many of many we're, many outside forces are telling our story, and that what we first need to do is to consider that we can tell our own story, reclaim our own story, and that we should make that a story of fierce hope. Because if there's ever a time in our human history when we need that, I'm sure there are other times. I can only track the last few decades, let's just say few, but certainly now, if there's ever a time when more human beings on this planet need to step into their hearts, step in their commitment to civility in a fierce way with us seeing themselves as catalysts for fierce hope, it's now. And, and let me jump in there and ask, because we terminology is important sometimes. So telling our story, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to have my story told by somebody else? And what does it mean to take back my own story? I find that we're so bombarded now with social media, with news outlets, with how, and with the world system that is basically telling a story for us. And we forget that the information we're receiving through search engine optimization, through through the, through the news outlets, through social media, is only one perspective and one person's offerings of what the truth is. And we're living in a time that I call information inflation, where there are too many news outlets chasing too few stories, that the news outlets and the social media platforms have to overinflate the stories to make them more sexy or to make them to add more conflict so that the viewers choose to listen to their interpretation of that story. Which means that if we take a moment to say who's telling our story, we can first consider that how we're receiving our information, the information we are receiving may not be accurate. It may be a little over sensationalized and adding a little bit more drama than might be there. So that's mm -hmm. the first aspect. And then to consider what I call taking some time to cultivate a healthy, independent, critical thinking and to consider that many of the things that we believe to be true, we may have never examined. We may have just believed it because that's what our religious institutions told us, our government, our teachers, our peers, our parents. And many of those things may be true on some level, but it's a healthy thing to, to take some time to use what I call courageous self-reflection. And to re when you discover that, yes, the things that I've been taught, I really believe they are true, which I believe has helped you stand more in your conviction for those things that you believe to be true. But I also find that we're holding on to a lot of things that we believe to be true that may not be because we never took the time to examine them. So this is all part of that idea of how do we actually take some time to cultivate more personal agency and decide for ourselves what we believe to be true and from there live our lives and make decisions on how we engage with one another. And I'm just saying that th I believe that there is a lot more hope. The news outlets, the social media, and, all, and our governments are trying to spin a story where there isn't a lot of hope to just keep us in a dysregulated state. And in that dysregulated state, we're not accessing our independent critical thinking, which makes it easy for us to just believe what they want us to believe. So yeah. when we reclaim that, we might discover that we can see that there is a lot more hope around us, that there are people who really are concerned about civility and really do come from their hearts and can cut through all of the confusion that cr creates separation so that we can build bridges and find solutions that, that are beneficial to all of us. It's interesting because my question is how much of 
sort of the disinformation clickbait, which is a little bit of what you're referring to being put upon us by an algorithm and how much of it is our choice. And I, it's interesting today from the perspective of we have this Fox News court case right now where we're seeing this information come out where Fox News said, if we tell the truth on our cable news network, we will lose audience. Like we're going to lose ratings if we tell the truth. And so it begs the question, do we want to be fed misinformation? Are we, I guess, is that choosing an echo chamber for ourselves? You just opened up a big can of worms there, Paul. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's important. What you're talking to is we have choice, right? We forget that we have choice and that there are other ways of gathering our news if we want. I think, yes, I think that in our panicky or anxious or dysregulated state, we are always seeking out what comforts us. That's just natural neurobiology. And a lot of the book deals with that, that I believe that a lot of us are pretty much any, all of us on this planet on some level are dealing with some level of chronic stress and trauma, whether that's personal trauma, generational trauma, cultural trauma, family drama, trauma. And, and in that, and that's the core cause of, I, of the work fear civility is that we have brilliant solutions that we spend billions of dollars to solve our world problems, but they're not working because the basic fundamental issue that we're not dealing with is that in that trauma state, in that dysregulated state, when we're in that flight, fight, flight, freeze response, we perceive anything that's different or new as a threat. And therefore we run from it and it has shut down our hearts. And you've seen that over time, that we become more and more anxious and uncertain. And therefore, we're seeking any way that we can find. And that's why we what we see young men and young people, let's start with young people who will seek out groups on social media, because to answer your question, long way around to answer your question, many yeah. of us don't want to be informed. We want to be affirmed. Oh, wow. We just want to soothe our anxieties and we seek the first thing. And in that dysregulated state, that trauma state, if we don't know how to use independent critical thinking, we'll believe the first thing that comes our way and hold on to it and anchor that in as the truth. Yeah, it's, there's a Christian biblical principle of that talks about seeking out teachers who will soothe our itchy ears. We want to find somebody that's going to tell us what, what our ears want to hear rather than anything else. Tying that then to trauma, so as you're putting this book together and you've been doing this for a long time of bringing warring factions together and trying to get them to hear each other. Is that sort of national and maybe international trauma that we're suffering from what has a root cause of our polarization in culture today? Yes, I would say that is the root cause. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There are many causes and all in the work I do, whether it's this body of work, Fierce Civility or the Respectful Confrontation work I do, which is about how do we learn how to stand in our power, speak our truth, get our needs met in a way where we don't harm others and, and we don't get harmed. It's one of the subtitles of all the work is, for instance, respectful confrontation or fierce civility. It's never about the dishes. And that what we do is we, spend, we can spend years fighting with our spouses or our partners or our children about not doing the dishes and not taking the moment to consider that that strategy that you've been doing for 14 years is just not working. So the work is how do you get yourself regulated? 
how do you cultivate inner balance so that you're not in a fight, flight, freeze response? And how do you create safety and trust around you so you can help the, the one you're engaging with soothe their nervous systems in that space of safety and trust, meet them where they are. And from there, using independent critical thinking, finding ways to engage in the conversation. And that is the, so that is the essence of the work. It's possible, that is the key. The work of fear civility focuses very explicitly on saying it's not about the what, but about the how. Because you, you can see it happening. You see it in politics, you see it in education, you see it in, in our, even in our personal lives. We can spend years going back and forth about the what, about debating certain issues and arguing about it, which creates more stagnate polarization which for me is about stagnation we're loving this conversation with joe i want to tell you about one of the services that i offer some of you are like how can we get more how can we work more in community work more with you pastor paul and one of the courses that i offer is called reconstruction you reconstruction you is an emotional and spiritual well-being cohort learning program where we do one-on-ones with me. We have an exclusive online curriculum from my many years of coaching and pastoring. And uh, we have cohort learning where people just like you meet every other month to talk about ways to deal with identity and purpose and value in life. Hey, the Bible says we're not just supposed to get by in life, but we're supposed to thrive. And you may be in a transition time of life as saying, how am I going to thrive in this next season? Is there something that I seem to know now that I need to let go of from the past and move forward? How do I find a way to impact the culture around me? How do I find purpose to what I do? And it all starts with finding out what your story is and who you can say to yourself, I am this. You want to be able to make that statement definitively? Reconstruction You with Pastor Paul can help. I have amazing testimonies. You can see them online from people who have gone through the program with me. I hope you'll check it out. Reconstruction You at pastor-paul.com. And if you go there now and sign up and send me an email, I'll give you a $50 discount if you say you heard this podcast. Reconstruction You. Find out more about coaching with Pastor Paul at pastor-paul.com. Now back to our unconventional conversation with Joe Weston. The Fierce Ability book isn't really about the what, it's about the how do you have these conversations. And what I would say is it's cultivating the skills and strategies of the heart. And it's not a sentimental Hallmark Cardi viewpoint about the heart, but the heart, the transformational power of the heart. How do we appeal to the hearts of others? How do we help people regulate their systems so that they can consider transforming their viewpoints, habits, and patterns? And are we courageous enough to consider that as we're talking to people who have different truths, that maybe how we see something isn't completely 100% true, so that we might even open up to shifting our viewpoints, habits, and patterns? What do you think? Yeah, how we keep from becoming the other side of that coin and saying, but I'm right. It's okay that I only get information that supports my viewpoint because we're right. Right. And the pivot to that. So in this work, I talk about the power of the pivot. So all of my work is based on, I always say it's, it starts with my experience of growing up in New York City, a Queens boy. 
And uh, why that's important is I always say that just growing up in New York City, every day was an examination of confrontation and conflict and understanding how to navigate that. And so in this process of how do you approach things without getting dysregulated in that way? Yeah. But we all have that uncle or that cousin right. or that father-in-law that just can't be reasoned with. Are there some people that you just cannot do this with that fierce civility won't? So that's the point. So in this examination, I started seeing how our own internal polarizations is adding to the external stagnation of the polarizations. And particularly to that point, one of the, so the pivots, the power of the pivot in the work that I've done, I what helped me work through a lot of my dysregulation and also how I was adamant in my viewpoints was actually martial arts and understand particularly Tai Chi and Aikido of understanding balance and understanding mind-body connection, understanding how to cultivate deeper awareness and presence and listening and staying in balance and flow. And to learn how to take the agitation or the what another would give me and learn how to redirect that energy so that I don't get caught in the same fight, flight, freeze response of aggressor or defender. And one of the main points with a breaking out of stagnant polarization is what I call the power of the pivot. How do we pivot? How do we just shift without losing sight of the thing that we want to confront or engaging, but and not fighting it and not acquiescing, staying engaged and keeping it in that dynamic. And to that question, when you get stuck in what I call the right wrong loop, the pivot is to ask yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to be effective? Mm. Is, it to, is it more important for me to stand in my rightness or do I really want to find new solutions with this person? Do I really want to find reconciliation and healing? Do I want to get us back to, and that's a lot of the issues appealing to the heart is just with the cousin or the uncle to remember that there was probably a time 10 years ago when you had so much fun watching a football game or just laughing about stories. And how do we get back? That's the pivot of saying, if we just stay in the issues, we're never gonna see solutions. But how do we pivot, come back to ourselves, to our own hearts, our own compassion and curiosity, activate that in another and basically say from one humanity to the other, let's find and let's get back to who we really are know each other to be and the question is do i want to be right or do i want to be effective yeah so this is the website and i'm just taking a break here in our discussion to let you pub the book this is your website at joe weston w-e-s-t-o-n.com for those of you who are looking on video for our audio listeners that's the website joeweston.com and the book isn't out yet, right? But is coming out soon. When is it coming out? The book is coming out on March 9th. Please make a note of that date, put it in your calendar. If you go to Amazon and look up Fierce Civility on March 9th, you can actually get for one day only 99 cent pre-order purchase of the ebook. The printed version will come out a week later, but if you could do that, that would be great. Or I think if you go to joeweston.com, you'll see that there's a place to sign up for our website and we can send you that link on the 9th and keep you informed about what's when that comes out. Fierce Civility, Transforming Our Global Culture from Polarization to Lasting Peace is the book, and Joe Weston is our author here. And when we're talking about, you have some exercises in the book when it comes out that people can try. Give us sort of an example of that. If I'm dealing with 
Uncle Fred, and he's telling me that uh, Joe Biden is eating children in the White House. What does that pivot look like? Before you can get to a pivot, because what's going to probably happen, if usually what happens for me, I can say, and every, everybody else I know, as soon as that uncle or cousin says that, you're going to get activated. Your nervous system's going to go into fight, flight, freeze. And once that's there, there's no way back. <laughs> you're really in it, and there's no way back. So, however, I do offer a practice to help you get back, in a sense, and it's cultivating inner balance. And it's an exercise that I've been doing for so many years with all of the meditation work I've done and all my different traditions with Taoist traditions, Buddhist traditions, also with the martial arts and many other concentration focus, like with movement and sports, is to learn how to cultivate a connection with your core in alignment with your heart and your brain so that you can cultivate more awareness by integrating all of that. You're more in your body and you are more compact and connected to your heart, which for me, the heart doesn't mean necessarily emotions. It's where our wisdom resides. It's where our best selves reside. It's where we can cut through the confusion of the mental constructs of, of separation and get back to common sense where we can find common ground. So this exercise, I, one of the things that I've been very blessed to do in my life was to work with severely wounded combat veterans here in the US. For me, I did that as a civilian. I was brokenhearted to see at that time that every day, 22 combat veterans were taking their lives. Mm -hmm. Luckily, it's now down to 17. It broke my heart and I thought to myself, I have to do something. I looked for organizations that I can work with and created a system working with some fabulous organizations to support them in their mental health with PTSD, but also teaching them communication skills to re-engage with their families, their healthcare providers. And I developed a very basic exercise that to help for when they would spin out or be have flashbacks, or if we, for instance, are in a state of just with all the things we're doing with trying to manage taking care of the kids and working and doing the shopping and the cooking and dealing with the driving and how we get dysregulated. And it's really very simple when you get it. And it has to do with basically just feeling your feet on the ground, focusing in your lower belly, what I call your center, bringing awareness to your heart and taking deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And just that simple act of feeling your feet on the ground, focusing in your core and your heart, and slow, deep breaths on the inhale, and just letting the breath spill out of your mouth on the exhale, it activates, because it's, it's a neurobiology biology tactic in a sense, because when, when we're in that fight, flight, freeze response, our sympathetic nervous system is activated. And that is what activates the, the adrenaline and the cortisol and all of the things that keep us, that make sure we don't get eaten by hungry tigers, which is basically the biology of human beings. However, luckily, we also have the parasympathetic nervous system is that when we don't no longer, when we no longer have a threat, different hormones get activated, tocin and things like that, where we get to relax the system. And it's with those, that breathing that we get to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Why that is powerful is from, I believe it's been helpful for me is that we may not be able to influence at all times the stressors around us, but how we perceive those stressors, that is what we have power over. So we're, we're responding in a, in a PTSD response, assuming maybe the worst is going to happen in this encounter with this person. And we start to tell ourselves there are other possibilities when we start to 
get in touch with our, like I say, less of our fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and more of, I want to engage with this person. Am I summarizing that somewhat into what you just said? Yes, because what happened, yes, and that's necessary. And I think that's what I say is why a core cause, because if you're dysregulated and you're not in your heart and you're in fight mode, the other person's going to feel that and that's going to activate them into that state. But by coming back to yourself, you then can accurately assess the situation. And when you do that, what an, another important pivot is that being uncomfortable is not necessarily the same as being unsafe. And for people who suffer from trauma and or chronic stress, our nervous systems can't tell the difference anymore between uncomfortable and unsafe. And any encounter with someone who holds different views, any challenging conversation is always going to be uncomfortable. Therefore, if you're not aware of it, your nervous system is going to instantly go into, it's unsafe here. And there's no new solutions that are going to emerge. There's no reconciliation and healing that's going to happen. There's no bridge building that's going to happen. So in a sense, it's learning how to build a, a more a moment-to-moment -moment relationship with your nervous system so that you can say, when you do get activated, thank you, nervous system, you're really taking care of me because this is uncomfortable. And we're the first, our first most important thing is that we do feel safe. But I can take some deep breaths, come back to some level of balance and assess that even though my uncle is really annoying, I'm not unsafe, unless I am. And if I am, then I would say remove yourself from the situation. But if they're just that same old uncle, it's not unsafe, yet it's uncomfortable. And then you can manage it from there. So actually the training of fear civility, the fear civility ambassador training is modeled after sports and martial arts training where any good athlete must learn how to navigate high levels of stress and tension and still have effective decision-making and function optimally and make effective choices in that moment. And that's what the fear civility skill set is, is training your, if you choose to fear civility, that means that you choose to build bridges. You choose to find win-win solutions. You choose to communicate in a way that is creative and leads to new solutions and, and honors the in, every individual engaged. And that requires skill. And I think you said something really important in there too, as well as the importance of these exercises. There is a point where it's just, hey, it's just not safe to talk to uncle about these topics. And either we boundary off the topics or we boundary off Uncle Joe. That danger isn't just physical danger. Is that correct? It's not just physical danger. So it's emotional danger. It's an emotional threat of danger. Yeah. Or it could be emotional danger, lack of safety, let's say. And the only person I believe, the only person who determines if you are safe or not is you yourself. Because someone might say, oh, what are you making a big deal about it? And that oftentimes that's when we acquiesce and say, yeah, actually I can toughen it up and I can take it. But that's that, those are old, those are the olden times when we, and that's a different way of looking at resilience. Resilience isn't enduring and suffering. Resilience should be, a, at least in my model, is about vitality. And when I say physical vitality, emotional grounding, mental clarity and spiritual grounding. Okay, this conversation isn't over. Part two is coming up. We'll release it in a couple of weeks. If you are a subscriber at the pastor-paul.com website, the Pastor Paul community, you can hear it now and you can get the information on the website. Um, not a subscriber, we'll get it out for you in a couple of weeks on your favorite podcast outlet or our YouTube channel. 
But if you go to pastor-paul.com, sign up for a subscription, you can hear that part two, where we talk about we're either going to have to learn to live together in this world, or we're going to die together. And you can hear it at pastor-paul.com and the Pastor Paul community. Until then, just remember, God is not mad at you. We'll see you soon.